0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Anthony. This is Chris. This is Daniel. And this is Drew. Welcome to episode 45, everybody. This week we're talking about our top 10 games that are as damaging and dangerous as Ouija. (laughs) Spooky. (laughs) So we thought it was kind of funny that a board game movie finally cracked the uh, box office and it happened to be... Horrible. So we're gonna we're gonna run through a top ten list of games that are just as dangerous, if not more so.
1: And Um, if you think Ouija is a scary, dangerous game for your family and friends, we're gonna give you ten more that are far more frightening,
2: horrifying, and murderous. You will have to watch your backs. Ten ten games that are much more effective at getting you to contact dark powers, (laughs) specifically the darkness within yourself.
0: (laughs) And this is not a Halloween episode, so... (laughs) Be
3: warned! (laughs) Alright, but before we get to that, we're going to dive right in, and Drew's got some interesting stories for us. Yeah, some more to shout from the tabletop, some uh, good news, interesting news. It seems like Board games are being taken really seriously from people I wouldn't have expected. There's this uh, magazine periodical called Foreign Policy. Political wonks know it. It's very serious. It's uh, grave about dealing with world issues. They just recently, uh, early in October, had an article about, well, it's entitled Yahtzee meets the hot zone. And it's all about pandemic in the age of Ebola. I mean, we've known this game for years, and now people are discovering, wait, this predicted the out- Ebola outbreak. Uh, it didn't, obviously, but it, we talked about this last week when we were talking about pandemic contagion, that uh, it definitely triggers thoughts of what's been going on in the real world. And so this, this article in Foreign Policy is very extensive. Um, the article even is subtitled, The Nightmarish Ebola Board Game that's starting to look all too real. Um, I don't know how anybody could take it that seriously. Uh, Another way they described it is Monopoly meets the Andromeda strain. Wow. So obviously the CDC, uh, WHO, they're not using this game to train for this, but um, I think it's something that uh, Z-Man can capitalize on if they wanted to. (laughs) Like, hey, everyone's talking about Ebola by pandemic
0: yeah i mean that's the thing too is when i first heard about pandemic i didn't know i just knew it was a game about diseases destroying the world i didn't realize you were trying to stop them so people might see that and be like well that's insensitive but the game itself is about how to work together to stop a disease it's a good
3: thing it's about what public health officials do every single day right yeah. They had a great summary of the game, and that was one of the, the obvious points that they brought out, that it's a cooperative. It seemed like they finally discovered cooperative games, these political wonks. They didn't know they existed. Well, cooperative but, anything in <laughs> politics, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was encouraging to them, that, yeah, the world needs to come together and cooperate. It's something that the United States is not really doing with the Ebola outbreak. It's like they want to build a wall between the U.S. and Africa and keep them out, yet... As pandemic shows, we gotta get everyone together to solve these things. Um, it's a good summary. They they interview uh, Matt Laycock about the, him developing the game. And I always got a kick out of staged photos. And these are particularly, the, the picture shows five little meeples all gathered like in the same part of the board, which first of all, you can only have four people in the game and they had five and they're all in the same place and there aren't any infection cubes around. You can tell that the Picture was staged by somebody who has could, no idea how to play. You could tell game. Drew's a board game geek. That's what you can tell. <laughs> I'm like, what's wrong with this picture? I love that. <laughs> On the opposite end of the credibility spectrum, uh, The Guardian had an article about Ticket to Ride called All Aboard How Ticket to Ride Helped Save Tabletop Gaming. Now, I'm not going to say anything about the article except for the fact that the writer of it got an expenses-paid trip to the 10th anniversary party in Paris for an exclusive interview with creator Alan Moon. So to him, Ticket to Ride helped save tabletop gaming. I have a question. I mean, it's true that it's been a big help to to the board game industry, but which do you think has had a bigger impact on the health of the industry, Ticket to Ride or Catan? Hmm. I mean, did Catan... Some people would say Catan saved it. It's hard to tell,
0: though, because the trajectory that we're currently on started with Ticket to Ride. It was around that time, 2004-2005, when it just took off. Catan was, what, 10 years before that. And the board game industry, while it was growing then, wasn't like on this straight-up trajectory that we're currently on. So I don't know if it's... It's not causation, necessarily, but there's definitely a correlation between the two. Like, did it cause the... Boom, probably not. But it is like look at the quality of production of that game. So that's new. It's
3: critical mass. It's not just one game, but if you get enough strong games together, then suddenly, yeah, Catan was you know gave us a strong foundation
1: in which to build from. I don't know if Ticket to Ride would have had the legs unless it Catan was here is a legitimate hobby board game. That's from Europe. That everyone can play. It's a gateway game. It's accessible. You can rest. You know, you can rest your hat on this game, and then like we're all good. Good. We have credibility. Great. Here's Ticket to Ride. Wow. Now we can kind of take off. But I don't think without Catan. I don't think if Catan never existed, I think as great as Ticket to Ride is, it might have gotten lost in some respects. Hmm. At least in the
3: hobby game market. It could be the combination of those two and a couple other strong games. That, because what we needed here to happen was the big box retailers to realize, hey, we could make money off these games. Sure. So, but there'd have to be enough a critical mass of quality games for them to start stocking them on well, the shelves. Theme certainly helps
0: too. Like trains are going to cut across more demographics than farming. Um, <laughs> Like, the Settlers Catan theme, and this is a true of any hero, really, is that some people are just going to look at that and be like, no. doesn't matter how fun it is or how interesting the game is or how great the mechanics are. They're just going to look at sheep and ore and wheat fields and be like, no, I'm not playing that.
3: But here's something Catan has that, that Ticket to Ride doesn't, and that's uh, ability to reskin. I mean, you have a lot of different flavors of Catan, and you just have one ticket to ride but you do have a lot of maps right you have to and so yeah so ticket to ride
1: has more accessibility relatability because here's my city wherever i am in the world so you could have the map for india you could have the map for europe you could have the map for the usa and you know that's accessible
3: yeah
2: Yeah, I mean, but the one thing about Catan, though, is for a long time, it was just Catan. Like, Catan was the sole survivor. It was the one holding the line. And I think, think, Chris, you brought this point up, and I think it's quite right, that if Catan hadn't been there, it's possible that the market would have just disappeared. Totally. Wow. Right. So I think that they were the doorstop that kept the door open for future successes. But, I mean, in the same way, every good game saved the gaming industry, and every bad one hurt it. Uh, And I I think Hmm. it's just going to be the way it goes in most industries, right? Because it eventually hit that critical mass of good games, right? Had it just been Ticket to Ride, that wouldn't have been enough either. It was that Ticket to Ride came out in a time where a bunch of other really good games were coming out too. Yeah. And by all of them coming out around the same time, all coming together, suddenly we had a legitimate industry appear, right? Yeah.
1: And I think, I remember hearing about Coca-Cola when it first came out. Like, here is this soft drink, and it's a soda, and you can drink it. And it almost disappeared because it was just one of many drinks. And then when Pepsi came out, it became its own market, right? Soda became its own thing, not just like I don't know if I want water, milk, or Coca Cola, you know. But like, which soda do I want? So when you had Ticket to Ride and Contain, and and as Daniel was saying, many other good games, it became the hobby gaming market. You could have hobby gaming stores, and not just here's another game amongst other games. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you have to keep in mind, too, that if you're a game designer and you're like, oh, I could spend 100 hours making this game and nobody's going to play it. Oh, wait, Settlers of Catan has sold 2 million copies in the last 10 yeah. years. I can get into this market and I could make money. Now, we know that most designers don't make a ton of money, but it's possible. They could look at that and say, yes, this is an option. This could be my career. This could be a hobby that turns into something more. Same with the publishers. You, you know, the guy who started Ticket to Ride or yeah. started uh, Days of Wonder. It was... An investment because, like, this is a market that's growing, and games like Catan show that it could grow. Definitely. And when you put money
3: into something, that's when quality starts coming out of it because there's more people doing it. Yeah. Well, and we brought this out last week, but it bears repeating again. New York University has a game design program now, BFA and MFA. So obviously, this is this is a niche which is now taking off. It's sure. taken seriously. Yeah, and, and we, as we we talked about this previously is that we have yet to see the height
1: that board gaming can really go as a hobby and as a mainstay in people's home and family activity. So the next Alan Moon can come from NYU, can do great things, can you know, help you know revolutionize the industry that is small enough that anybody can kind of make a name for themselves. It's really such an industry, interesting industry, whereas video gaming is a little bit harder. On that yeah. respect, board gaming is wide open for you to come in, dominate, kind of express yourself in your own particular way, and uh, make your mark. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, a good video game—if you want it to reach full capacity—it costs millions of dollars to make, and you have to go through yeah. a company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas a good board game, you could you could have a good idea, put it up on Kickstarter, you could make the next boss monster or the next euphoria or you know it has
3: more of a rags to riches feel to it yes they come out of yeah. nowhere
0: these people could come out of nowhere
3: and it's yeah. that's one of the fun parts of the hobby well the hobby game industry is definitely strong that's why a business website like icv2 covers it every quarter they publish a white paper talking about the sales in the various entertainment industries and they spend a lot of time talking about board games their report was it was another strong season for game sales the summer season the three the three categories that led the way were RPGs non-collectible card games and board games very strong sales but they also had a a, a caution board game sales they say were hampered by stockouts five of the top 10 games at some point during the summer were out of stock and that includes uh, well i'm not going to tell you I'm not gonna tell you any of the top ten games. You're gonna have to guess later. Sorry, but here's the question: We know about that games that we wanted are out of stock. How can how can companies balance this supply and demand? Because not having supply is hurting them.
0: Sure.
3: Definitely,
2: but in especially, make oh, more. F- That's how they can balance that. <laughs> Increase the supply. That's... But
0: they're wary though, because you don't want to end up in that, like, a landfill full of ET cartridges yeah. slash <laughs> Dice Master boxes. You know, it's dangerous if you make too many. Yeah. you can go
3: bankrupt. These companies are small, but they're if... like, my game's going to be huge. Let's make ten thousand copies. Crap! But somewhere there yeah. has to be middle middle ground. If you're going to have a print run, it doesn't cost all that much to just add another couple thousand to the run. You don't have to do 10,000, but just I remember ET was a terrible game. I have the ET
1: card cartridge. It was a terrible game. It was a quick movie tie-in. It was garbage. It was just garbage, garbage, garbage. So it wasn't mass numbers. It was mass numbers and Yeah, garbage. and it's not a
0: perfect analogy, but yeah. it's the same idea like if inflation. Sure. Right? Yeah. You have to be careful like and their margins are thin. So you have to, yes. you know, they can only go up a little bit and they have to get as close as what they think they can sell as possible. The market's growing faster than
3: they're projecting, which is awesome, but at the same time, it means we can't find the games we want. <laughs> yeah, true. And do you find that, that the, the desire lessens the more you have to wait? Because they were saying, I think in terms of Dice Master, Marvel Dice Master, is that the one that was out of stock? Yes. yes. Yeah. That sales were not were not what was expected because people were waiting so long that when it finally was in stock, it was... Eh, with a, on the other things. It's still
0: not in stock. You still can't find Avengers vs. X-Men. The uncanny X-Men set came out last week and everybody has a billion of those. Like that was easy to find. But even that was delayed. Yeah. Production was delayed. And anytime these
1: things are delayed, especially when they're tied into conventions and tournaments, it hurts it. I gotta say, I mean, we talk about games a lot, but if you are a hobby of the industry, you know that one of the the challenging parts of this is you often can't get the game you want, even if you're willing to pay for it. So games come out in Origins, they come out at Gencom, they come in, in Essen, and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting online for these games to hit, and when they do, they're gone. And it was like, that was it, 20 of those games, and all right, wait, 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 they're, hit, they're gone. So... There is not enough stock to meet the demand. There's a high demand for games.
3: So we've got to praise all you hobbyists out there who are always on top of things, want to buy the games. Now it's time for the publishers to get on the ball and put hand them over yes. so we can buy them. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, I talked about uh, the top 10 list. Last week we did top 10 dice slash card games. Mm-hmm. From the summer of 2014, the top 10 board games for the summer, I'm going to do the same thing a uh, list of one to ten top ten answers on the board just like Family Feud <laughs> you guys have to try and find the highest one Daniel you're going to have to start because you won the first round oh god that was
2: a top ten board game
1: it could be evergreen or
3: something <laughs> recent from uh, this year oh,
2: let I st- me look at myself
1: I, st- I still call shenanigans on boss monster being number one <laughs>
0: shenanigans you guys didn't hear this but off the air chris was livid
1: i was livid i i had a broom out and i was like shenanigans i love boss monster i love brotherwise games i'm i backed the kickstarter But shenanigans. So board games. You won't have a problem. You won't have a problem. There are so many. You
2: were were overthinking this, my friend. Well, I also read part of his list when he wasn't looking. So, So, so no. So I'm not letting myself call any of the ones that were on the list, which are all the ones I would have guessed. So now I'm having to figure out one that I wouldn't have
3: guessed. There are a lot of evergreens, and there are a couple from the past year. Three, Uh, at least three. I think from the past year. Well, we'll guess more.
2: Let's go with.
1: (laughs) Well, speaking of which, I know what Daniel wants to go with, which is the uh, trail on the house on the hill. That is constantly out of print, and we yeah. were just ta- we were talking to uh, some of the local friendly game stores that, as you just mentioned, Jer- these games they're in very short print runs. And
3: yet, for, for the summer, it was number five on the top ten list. I'm gonna do Power Grid, Power Grid, and Anthony. Uh, pick two because Caverna. He says Caverna. Oh, you want to? you gonna give everybody took, two. Yeah. All right, Pandemic, Pandemic, and Caverna. I mean, do I, go with, do I go with the easy ones? I'm telling oh, you. The
1: easy ones. It's got to be Sellers of Catan and Ticket to Ride. Those are... Did you see the list? Because they're oh, one... Do, they're... <laughs> do, do, we, do we have to know that those are the top sellers? One, two.
3: We just talked about how they saved the industry. Uh, they're yeah. one and Skip two. Point. Somebody listens to the podcast. It's this guy. Okay. <laughs> Firefly is the hotness. I hate saying that word. It's so weird. But Firefly is number three.
1: I'm a, I'm a brown coat, but I still find that yeah. weird.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was number three. Pandemic four betrayer betrayal five. Caverna is in the top ten list. That's awesome. Huh? Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. Because that seven. game was
1: Expensive. there's another game that was out of print for a very long time. And when it came in, it was very short print. And that was out of print and again.
0: And you bought this last print run they did over the in the spring was big because it hasn't been out of print since. That's why I thought it could be in the top ten. But think, so many okay. people waited on it. But I
1: think a lot of people don't know it's back in print now. And because they listen to this podcast, they know that it's in print.
0: Yes. So buy it. yes. It's game. available everywhere. I've seen it everywhere I go. My, My game, can give me a copy. Awesome. My
2: game
3: of the year. Awesome. So, so you guys are driving well, sales. Double-digit double sales. That was it for this category. Well, what else was on that list? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Elder Char, Carcassonne. Okay. King of Tokyo.
2: Oh, I almost went with King of Tokyo.
3: Oh, and Small World. Small World. Oh, yeah. Small World. Yeah. So games. games. And these are most of these games you'll see at your local big box store. Many of them. You won't see Elder Tara there, but there's you'll see some, a lot of the others. It's um, there. You just can't see it because it's too horrifying to imagine. It's in it's, the back. They have it
1: in the. It's in Bed Bath and Beyond. Under the counter. <laughs> it's in, it's, in, the it's in the Beyond section. <laughs> it's in the adult
3: section <laughs> of Target. You
1: know, the family guy jokes are awesome. <laughs> hey, that was not, that was that was an original. Come on, you know, you go back into Bed Bath and Beyond. You go bed section, bath section, and there's a tentacle section. Oh, Beyond. That's the yeah, section, Beyond section. You know.
3: <laughs> if you've hit the tentacles, you've went, you went too far. Okay, one more really cool PR. I never would have expected this, but a Magazine Popular Mechanics, the Bible of the DIY set, had an article called Stop Reading This and Go Build Your Own Board Game. It was an interview. Do we have to stop now? <laughs> Did, stop, to yeah, yeah. stop playing games. Start designing your own. Okay. It, it's all about DIY, and they talked to these people, Jordan Goddard and Mandy Mullen, about their Kickstarter game, Collapse. Uh, received financing there and it's all about the process of creating your own game putting on a Kickstarter it's DIY and you just mentioned this earlier Anthony we're living in an age where you can go from rags to riches all on your own
2: yeah
3: and popular mechanics is celebrating that let's be honest rags to slightly nicer rags <laughs> <laughs> that's what you can do with the board
1: game industry. No, I mean I mean Alan Moon is not hard, is not hurting for money man he's and you, once you produce a good IP like that you franchise just, it. you just yeah. franchise it till there is no where else to go. Yeah. You could be the next Uwe. I'm
0: just saying.
3: <laughs> you could. You could be the next Uwe.
1: Who wouldn't want to be an Uwe?
3: Uwe. Uwe. So it's not just the DIY nature of design that you can bring it along, but Kickstarter is all DIY too. It's, it's all about that. So kudos to Popular Mechanics for shining a, a light on this. And it's in the, um, it didn't say what article it is. I imagine it's October issue. That stuff is cool.
0: I picked up a book maybe a year and a half ago. Um, it's called Geek Dad. I think it's from one of the uh, writers on the blog on Wired. Geek Dad. Geek Dad. Yeah. Um, so it's all just like geeky stuff you can do with your kids. So I bought it. My son was like a year and a half old at the time, so I'm not doing any of that. But he's getting older. I think the youngest thing in the book is like for five-year-olds, so it's a stretch. But one of the activities is build your own RPG, and another one is build your own board game. Really? So like those are bookmarked. I'm waiting.
3: Build your own RPG. That
0: would be fun. Yeah, that one is pretty cool, and it's a very simple system. Like, it's just a one-die system in it. It's like five pages that describes how it would work, and, you know, you build your own system around it.
3: And I hear your son's already LARPing, so he's...
0: Yeah, yeah. No, actually, the opposite. He refuses to put on his costume for Halloween. (laughs) He's LARPing as a three-year-old in a ski jacket.
3: (laughs) cool that's what we got from the tabletop this week
0: all right awesome so next up we're going to look at our acquisition disorders for this week some of the games that are uh, on the table that we either picked up or we would like to very soon acquisition disorder corner all right so acquisition disorders for this week Daniel, I know you finally picked up something that's been on your list for a few months? Years? Yeah, uh,
2: so I finally caved and picked up Mage Wars. It's not been a hard game to find, It's, but it's one of those games that I always look at with a little bit of apprehension because I know what will happen to my free time if I purchase it, right? Is I will cease to exist beyond this game because it's such a deep... Uh, it's such a deep game with so much variability and so much custom uh, customization and so many possibilities that it's the exact right kind of game to just totally hook me. But I finally gave in. I finally bought it. So from this day forward, they, the other guys don't know this yet. But this podcast is just going to be about me, of course. So that's what's all. all going to happen. We yep. tried that once.
0: Didn't work. <laughs> uh, did you get it open yet? Did you learn the rules?
2: Uh, I've gotten it open. Yes. Have I learned the rules? Nowhere near it. Cool. <laughs> but we'll work on
0: it. When you do, let me know. We'll play.
2: Yeah, we can, we can fumble through
0: it. Yeah, I learned the rules like a year and a half ago. I don't remember them at all, but... Yeah. We could try. <laughs> I
2: feel like the, it's one of those things where the it looks more com- complicated than it is because there's so many tokens and stuff, but all of those tokens mean that it's less stuff for you to keep track of.
0: Yeah. Everything okay. you need to know is on what you're playing. Exactly. So it's just a matter of knowing what all those things are, so you just have to play it like 10 times.
2: Yeah. I think I'm going to start off as playing with the default decks and then figure things out and then yeah. start tinkering.
0: It's got a cool tutorial thing too where you just play half the map. It takes oh, like okay. an hour instead of two, so yeah. you can learn quicker. All right. It's not fun, but you learn faster. <laughs> all right, awesome. Yeah, I'll play that with you. I don't know about the rest of this crew, but we've had our issues with <laughs> the Mage words addiction in the past. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Two-hour, two-player games are tough. Yeah. That's a tough sell, man. And then a
3: whole yeah. league, didn't they? Wasn't there a whole big... Yeah, 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 that was, like,
0: one of the bigger competitive leagues I've ever seen in gaming. Yeah, it's yeah. like that. locally, anyways.
3: Yeah, well, games yeah. like that
2: and games like Warhammer, right, they're all complex... They
0: all take a lot of time,
2: but they are all very, very fun
0: when you get into them. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you hit that threshold where you can compete, it's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Just, it's painful getting to that point. <laughs> over <laughs> the days it takes take
2: of, some licks. Yeah. Over the days of four-person, five-person battles in Warhammer oh 40k. Oh
0: my god. Was, Ten hours later.
2: <laughs> yeah. I had a, like four, an hour and a half there one time. I made it through two turns before I had to leave, which really infuriated one of the other players because I teleported my entire army next to their primary, like, their massive artillery unit that they spent all their points on, then trashed it, and then I had to leave, so my <laughs> units just teleported <laughs> off the board. So, like, I just went there, destroyed any hope they had of winning, and then left. What <laughs> are What are you doing? <laughs> So the Necrons arrived for a full 30 seconds just to screw you over and then left. So you personally.
0: F- probably felt personal. Yeah, probably know. did. But good for our list later
2: yeah
0: there we go <laughs> alright so the game that I've been looking at uh, I mentioned this a few months ago uh, just when I heard about it but now there's actually some collateral out you can see what's in the game um, they've already said it'll be available at BGG Con, so hopefully it's available for the rest of us by the end of the year and that's Roll for the Galaxy mm. so yeah. when I heard about it at the original time it was this is a dice game kind of like Race for the Galaxy which in my head can mean anything right mm-hmm. who knows what that even means um, but now there's a lot more information available that's one hundred and eleven custom dice that come in the, in the yeah, game yeah, yeah, yeah. I know right uh, and seventy eight game tiles so it 's a combination of tiles and dice uh, in the game itself you roll your workers then you assign them secretly so it's it 's very much like um, really any of these games where you roll dice and then you spend them' so point allocation and then uh, you do the phases chosen by the players very similar to roll for the galaxy so you can explore or develop or settle or produce. Or uh, ship for money and then you recruit new workers so it's like it it seems like a kind of cool hybrid of different types of games like this so it's got the basics of race for the galaxy but then also like this dice builder mechanic that everybody's using right now um, but in a new twist so who knows how it plays out but if it does both of those things as well as other things have done them it should be unique and kind of cool so i'm excited to see how it turns out once it's finally released and hopefully it doesn't reach the list uh that drew gave us of games that are never in print (laughs) because who knows uh rio grande they just tend to just drop stuff and it's just available one day so it could be could be out now for all i know when you're listening to this (laughs) or it could be out next march who knows but um, i'll give it a shot when it's out
3: a game I'm looking forward to uh, picking up is called Evolution. If it sounds familiar to anyone, it's actually a game we previewed um, many months ago. Um, it, it's an opportunity for me anyway, to see how a game has been tweaked and improved. I love the process. So we saw a raw version of it. Now it's ready to come to market. Um, curious to know how they upgraded it, how they refined it. It had you know, enough interesting mechanics in it to make me want to play it again. To see if the components are up to snuff. So that's what I want to I want at least try it once. I may not like it any more than I liked it when we previewed it, but you know, let's give it a shot, see if it uh, improved.
0: Yeah, I think you have to. Like anytime you play a prototype or an early game and you're like, oh, I'm not sure if it really pulls it off, you, you need to see the end version. Just try it. Yeah. yeah. And I saw it in the store the other day, so it, it is out. Okay. Um, North Star Games, it's. Pretty big box. The components look good. I mean, we didn't see the final versions, obviously. Yeah. So, like, the final version looks nice. So, I'm with you. I want to see how it plays out. All right. Okay. All right, so that's all the acquisition disorders for this week. Next up, we'll see what we've been playing lately. Kicking the habits. Hey, Kickers. This is Chris from
1: Kicking the Habit. And on episode 21, we're going to take a look back at Private Die, a Noir dice game, Return of the Dragon, Monster Mansion, and Board Game Accessories by E-Raptor. But that's not it. We're also going to take a look at four brand new campaigns you want to keep an eye out for, including El Luchadore Fantastico Grande tabletop game, Epic Deck, Hardcore Mode, Spell Stealers, and What the Blank. So, be sure to listen for us on Wednesday. November 19th 2014 and I'll let you know what games to kick off what games to kick back away and especially what games to kick to the curve
0: at the table this week Alright, so games we've been playing lately. Some more games that we got to the table at Extra Life as well as some other games we got out a little recently. Um, I'm going to kick things off with one of the lightest games I've played recently, but it was fun and a perfect match for uh, 9.30, 10 o'clock at the end of a long uh, Extra Life event day. Especially for Daniel. <laughs> we actually got him into a game. Um, somehow we had half of us hadn't played this either. It was Blockus. So... Mm i've seen this a billion times it's basically it looks like tetris it's not tetris but it's basically this big gray board and you have to lay down your little pieces you have a set number of pieces you lay them down in turn order you have to touch a corner of one of yours to one of your other ones they can't be adjacent to each other that's it those are the rules um once there's no legal moves left for anybody you count up how many uh squares you have left and the person with the least wins the end it was so easy minimal ap took like 20 30 minutes um honestly i'm surprised i hadn't played this before because it's so straightforward you'd think it would come out more often in the game store um and it's probably one i'll pick up because it's something i could just teach to anybody honestly it's it's a good one to own if you have kids and or uh casual family members
3: it's got one of those uh, it's got that factor where if you get the right piece and you find the right space for it it's like wow i fit that in there i, yeah. I extended my my line
0: yeah there's a couple of cool things where like you're completely blocked off and then somebody drops something You're like oh snap and then you can like jump yeah because you only have to touch corners well, you can right drop through. something exactly. yeah and you suddenly you're open up this whole new area yeah mm-hmm. um it's it's like spreading. I don't know. It just reminded me of like almost like a disease or something kind of just spreading across the board. <laughs> while we're in this disease mentality,
2: yeah, no, it was a great game to play. I was totally exhausted at that point in time, and I was able to keep up with zero hesitation. I mean, it's incredibly simple, right? This would be a great game for kids, a great game for the exhausted amongst you.
0: Yeah, yep. it was fun. There's yeah. one rule. There's, There's one rule. rule, that's it. And it's all, it's all anybody needs to know. Everything else is like however complicated you want to make it in your own head. And so, yep.
1: It has all the, the pieces already are done. So all those kind of famous Tetris pieces are kind of in this in this set amongst a number of the dif- different shapes. So it's like here's what you got to do. You can just do it and it's simple, easy and and it was able to, to squeeze in one more game at the end of the night that didn't break anybody, and it's colorful. And there's a, a regular tabletop version, and then there's a bigger version which is just like massively big for a very large table, but fun either way to play. It's something to uh, pick up, and you can definitely play uh,
0: uh, Tetris music at the same time to kind of get into the feel <laughs> of it, which we did. Yeah. yeah, Chris, Chris hooked us up. He found the game that he knew that we could actually play in our borderline inebriated states and then he gave us a nice soundtrack it was fun (laughs) trunk
3: on board games yeah (laughs) well I got to play Hansa Teutonica for the first time and you can tell by uh, the name alone uh that this game was designed and developed and all about Japan um and no one no one caught that. Nobody listens to anything I say. You're just sitting there like um, I'm, I'm, did, did you say something, Drew? She said exactly. That it was Japan. Japan. Okay. <laughs>
2: like, doesn't fit the name. No.
3: No, it's about Germany. It's it's a I wanted to say cute because it has I like the artwork. It has a uh, Thern Thurn and Taxes feel to it. Renaissance old days. Basically, you're, you're trying to complete routes across the board. And when you complete a certain route, then you can either um, stake a claim in the city on one end of the route, or you can take a special power. So either claim a city, take a power. A lot of choices, a lot of way to victory because there are uh, routes all over the board to different cities, different locations that give you different powers. Um, and it has a higher degree of interaction than you would expect from a a Euro game. Because you can claim a route that somebody else has been wanting. You can stake a claim in a city so that anytime somebody completes a route that leads to that city, you get a bonus. So it's that combination of Euro classic feel with the interaction that makes this fun. The game I was able to get to the table with family
1: was Roll For It. Now, this is the new reskin version that comes with a little kind of brass almost like a steampunk, Victorian type of metal tin and artwork that takes the traditional dice cards that you will be rolling for and adds a Pegasus, adds a dragon, adds beautiful artwork to it. But otherwise, it's the exact same game as Roll for it. Um, You're gonna start off with three or four cards laid out. You're gonna roll dice to match the patterns on the cards. You can lock dice in for those cards. And then if whoever is able to roll the dice that are required for the card will score the points. So the more complicated and um, number of die that will be needed for that to complete that card will score more points. So if you need six dice, you'll score 15 points. If it's two dice, it's only two points. It's fast. It's simple. It's incredibly quick. Um, since it's a dice game and you're trying to roll patterns, it's completely random. But the family really loved it, and it was interesting, and it was something that you can play without even explaining the rules. Like roll your dice. Okay, you can go here and here and here. See how that works? Oh, okay. So, oh, wow. for a uberly quick, simple game that can play up to eight people, um, roll for it is a great option, and can fit in your pocket.
3: So sounds like way a to great go. sounds like a great lunchtime game.
1: It is. It's yeah. something that uh, it's a great lunchtime game, and it's worth the buy. I mean, it's a very it's a very um, reasonable price point. And it gives you a number of different colored dice, so it's not just like everyone's getting white dice, they're all different colors, so you know which one you are. And uh, yeah, great lunchtime, great anytime game.
0: That's great. Yeah, and Calliope, um, they really helped us out with the event. They sent us a lot of games, including a couple copies of this. Um, And they have the Roll Fort Micro Edition as well, which is like two cards and six little bitty dice. Oh, even smaller well,
3: than what you had. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's definitely a lunchtime. It'll fit in your wallet, not just in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that it looks cool. I haven't got a chance to play it yet, but
1: super, super quick, super simple, super not thinking at all of what you're doing or what watching. But you know, it really fits that kind of micro game,
3: probably better than any other micro game I've played. Mm. Awesome. So, could we create a theme night of? Like, roll for it, roll through the ages, <laughs> roll for the galaxy. There you go. We have a theme here. You dice! Roll, roll. Dice!
1: <laughs> you can roll your dice and then decide
2: in which game you're going to use those dice for in those different games. That's it. All right. We're going to do a section of DD where everyone uses empowered, everyone's wizard, high level wizards using empowered fireballs. Just dice!
0: <laughs> we got a theme, we got to try it. All right. Let's do it. Alright, so that's all the stuff we got to the table this week. Next up we're going to look at our top ten games that are more dangerous than Ouija. Downtown Again, bashing the movie. And now for the feature review.
1: So for our top ten this week, we took into consideration Ouija the board game, the number one movie in America, depressingly enough. But... Even though Ouija could possibly call up the spirits and devils of doom to affect and contaminate and destroy your family and friends, it turns out there are games that are even worse than that. So today we're going to talk about the top 10 games that while do not summon the demons of the underworld will create as as just as much hatred, resentment, and I'm going to get you later after this game is over type of mentality. So let's get started with our number 10.
0: All right, so again, these games are not necessarily dark, demonic, Halloween y. These are games that are gonna make people mad. Yeah,
1: they're still great games. It's nothing bad about the game, nothing scary or satanic. It's just that people will get annoyed really easily. Well,
3: that's what they say, psychologists say about Ouija. It's not, you're not getting in touch with spirits but it's like subconscious you're getting in touch with what's deep dark down inside of you and then you mess with other people <laughs> that's <laughs> what these games do or the <laughs> other
2: person's just moving the damn <laughs> thing <laughs> someone's always moving the- yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about yeah, I know, I just, they keep saying I'm awesome I mean I guess every ghost thinks I'm awesome because if if, if movie uh, publishers knew about these
1: games these, these games would be the horror games <laughs>
2: yeah. they're, they're, they summon the demons within
0: yourself that's right that's it that's it all right, so in no particular order from our top 10 list here, we have, first up, Revolution.
3: It has a unique uh, mechanic of everybody bidding on these different agents, and then you reveal the, the blind bid, and whoever bids the highest gets to use the agent. And you only have limited resources to bid on these guys, and you really need this particular agent's powers, and, and you don't have enough money, and somebody who's rich and has all of these, they outbid you. And then everybody outbids you, and you get nothing that turn. I've never been so frustrated as I as I have in Revolution. Because you can just put everything you have into it and end up with nothing. And it's usually the same person all the time who outbids you. <laughs> That's <laughs> where the feelings of murder come in. Oh yeah, and the other part of that game too, which really
1: kind of gets you too, is you clearly are going for an area. And then someone's like, Nope, I'm putting a cube there. Nope, I'm taking your cube out. And you're like, well, well, but 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 I, that was my, my area. I was I was doing yeah. that thing. And they're like, no, no, that's mine. And you're like, no, I needed that whole area. Why?
3: The area control aspects, yeah, because it changes constantly. Yeah, but no. I'll tell you, it's that bidding that just gets me. Yeah,
0: this is one of the few games on the list that's not designed as a stab your partner in the back game. And yet it still feels like that. Yes. Yeah, And somehow, this is the game that we all got to know each other over. We, ah, this we played game. this game twice. The first night when we met each other, the three of us, yeah. we played it twice in a row, and yet we still are speaking. So That's it. we can survive it. It's a testament but, to game design.
3: But it's funny when Chris, when you were interviewing Philip Deberry about his, uh, another one of his games, yeah. you asked him about this, and he he got it. He understood, you yes. know, how it can break friendships. It's. It's been known to happen. <laughs>
0: All right, so next up on the list here, we have Game of Thrones. Now, I put the LCG and the board game, but if we're talking about backstabby games, it's board game first. Mm, this yeah. is this is the game that we would talk about under our breaths in the game store as the game that ruins friendships. So a lot of people had actually never played it because of that. They'd be like, oh, it's the game that ruins friendships. Like, well, then maybe we won't play that today. That's right. <laughs> uh, and this is... It's the Game of Thrones. Of course it's a game that ruins friendships. You make alliances. You break them. You turn tables on people constantly. You just you do things that are best for you and it's designed to hurt everybody else. Uh, the LCG is similar. It's not exactly the same but if you play with four people, the, A, the gang up on somebody moment happens but it's Game of Thrones so everything's designed to hurt someone else. And
1: especially you can't play alone. You can't win alone. You have to kind of ally with other people and then you know as soon as you ally with them maybe 5 minutes maybe 10 minutes but
0: eventually you're going to stab them in the back you have no. to yeah. yeah it's not Cosmic Encounter there are
3: not two winners in this game though. <laughs> no. so. so
2: you either win or you die it's, it's sort of blatant you
3: know. with the backstabbing you know it's coming you, you, you see the knife you feel it going in and you just accept it yeah I know and it's a very long game especially yes. the board game so you're playing this game and you're like I am getting killed so much by people who said they were on my side. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about diplomacy later, I know, but this, this reminds me so much of that. It's the diplomacy who played by or, or featuring characters who are frequently naked on screen. This is sexy diplomacy, basically. <laughs> Sexy, Diplom- sexy diplomacy. <laughs> really, okay. all these sexy characters from Game of Thrones, and they're just stabbing each to other. To be in the back. fair,
0: the show is a little more pornographic than the books. So, <laughs> and this is based on the books. Okay. Uh, but Game of Thrones, the board game, this could easily be number one on any list if they were in oh, order because this is more frequent than any other game I've heard. That's how it's described. Uh, so next in the list, we have well, maybe the one that would rival that for number one is Cutthroat Caverns.
1: Ah, Cutthroat's Cavern. Smirk and Dagger, do you know how to stab someone in the back? Clearly you do, because it's in your name. So, what's really backstabby about this is the game itself is, once again, all about, we gotta team up, we gotta go in there, we gotta save the day, and I'm about to get the winning blow because I was such a good warrior, and, oops, you tripped me, I fell on my face, you stabbed me in the back, you killed the monster, and took all the treasure, and now you won, and now I'm poisoned, and... I am going to kill you after this game because that's all this game is about. It's about just working together just long enough that everything happens. So it's that you know that you know that eventual sudden betrayal of everything. So uh,
0: this is one of the most frustrating games I've ever played.
1: Yes, and that's what's really rough about the game too. It's not that you get stabbed in the back. It's that this game, so much of it, actually. Keeps you from playing because everyone else is messing with you. Oh. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like an angrier, meaner Munchkin. Game. It is. <laughs> um, and you know, Smirk and Dagger has made their name on these kind of games. Uh, this one, a lot of people like it a lot. Uh, so I won't talk about like whether it's good or not. It's if you like that kind of game, it does it very well. Uh, Dread Curse is another one we talked about last week that has the same kind of mechanic. It's a little bit lighter. It's not. It's, it doesn't make the list because it doesn't make. In, it doesn't build that kind of rage in people. But it's the same mechanic, so, you know, if you like these kind of games, this is a company you should keep an eye on. <laughs>
3: okay, I've never played this game. Is this the kind of game where you are choosing the time, the exact moment to betray the others, and right before you do, someone betrays you, you and can, gets a yeah. jump on you? Yeah,
0: I mean, everybody has cards, so if you could be about to do something and people start throwing cards at you and then you'll have a card that'll counter it and then they'll throw another card at you. The, so,
1: what's really frustrating is just you can't some some rounds you're not doing anything because people are countering your really? your hits that's frustrating yeah, yeah.
0: and frustrating. so like Munchkin gets like that in the last round or two so it'll drag out a little bit this game is like that the entire game
3: wow.
0: yeah. so if you take the most frustrating part of Munchkin and stretch it out over an hour that's cutthroat caverns yeah that's true alright so next on the list we have another uh, game with hidden information that's Citadels 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 uh it's it's not a stab your neighbor in the back type of game per se but two of the roles in particular three of the roles i guess in this game in particular directly hurt somebody else and the these alone can cause great rage at the table um there's the assassin you can kill somebody there's the thief you can take somebody's stuff or you could destroy someone's buildings.
1: Mm. The
0: warlord. Yeah. With the warlord. Yeah. And all three of those will those will cause table flipping incidents if if stacked up enough. Like there have been times, three or four rounds through the game, where I've been killed, thieved, or one of my uh buildings broken down repeatedly, and so I've just done nothing, and then whoever did like the third or fourth one in that one is the person I want to kill the most. So
3: <laughs> See, it's possible to use deduction, depending on where you're sitting relative to the first player. Sure. To figure out who is getting what role. Yes. So that way you can really specifically single out somebody mm-hmm. to screw over, and they're the one that get mad at you. Um, the most common scenario is uh, someone's collecting some money, and you know they're going to get the architect so they can start building a lot of buildings. So you get the thief, and you just swipe all his money, and he wants to kill you. <laughs> Yeah. Where you no. get assassinated through half the game and just not be able to play. Constantly. Turn. Every other, yeah, every turn.
0: Yeah, you're getting nailed. Yeah, uh, it happens to at least one person in every game. It's impossible to play this game without one person just hating it. So, hence <laughs> citadel. <It's> true.
1: <laughs> the expansion allows you to play a little bit softer of roles that are not as no. damaging, but it wouldn't be citadels otherwise. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah, it's a fun game though. I actually like it. I love game. All that Yeah, it's a great game. Uh, all right, next on the list we have Cosmic Encounter. All right, so this game is not quite as mean as the others, and almost entirely because multiple people can win the game together. Mm-hmm. So you could just work together repeatedly. But there are those moments when you say, I'd like to negotiate. Like, yeah, I'll negotiate too. And then someone flips, not a negotiation card, and just says, ha-ha. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You can make a deal and go back on it, and that's like one of the major ways that you're just going to drive somebody crazy in a game like this. Um, Every time I've played, there's been someone at the table who's just kind of had kind of a bad time. It's a good game, it's a lot of fun, but someone's always going to get stabbed a little bit harder than everybody else. Um, I think that's one of the cards that's
1: specifically infuriating where you can get a whole bunch of allies on your side, you can win, and then you can play the card that says no allies, get a benefit for winning and you're like hey thanks guys I I get all the benefits and all the planets all the stuff and you get nothing because I played that card and everyone's like oh no
0: (laughs) I'm gonna gonna kill you (laughs) Yeah, and then there are certain um, races that have certain abilities like the symbiote can just go do what he wants other people can force people to join them like no you have to help me Um, there's so many race powers that break so many different things in the game that some of them are gonna infuriate people uh, there was one I had once that made, if you defeated somebody, their ships didn't go to the void, they were just out of the game. So that was really mean. <laughs> like, yeah. basically, you could almost eliminate them. And then there's always the op- situation where one person, like, four people will win and one person doesn't. Yeah. Oh, That'll man. make them really mad if you're the one guy who doesn't win the game. Uh,
1: it's a rough game because you have to ask for allies, you know, either to attack or to defend. And you're like, it really challenges your friendships as far as like, why aren't you allying with me? We're friends. He's going to crush me if you don't ally. No, you're allying with him? Oh, no, that's not good at all. (laughs) What's going on here? This is going to go poorly. Yeah.
3: Every game has an opportunistic so-and-so who knows what side to be on and when and how much to commit or how little to commit. Um, to the fight so they win without committing hardly anything and reap the benefits Mm. Um, always somebody someone you want to summon dark forces against (laughs) (laughs) yeah the game
0: mitigates it a little bit because you don't get to choose who you attack but I mean if you could the the game would just be mean. yeah Yeah.
3: Yeah. but you jump it's the idea of jumping in on someone else's attack
1: the game is all about piling
3: in to attack somebody or to thwart somebody and that's rough yeah. yeah, and it's rough when everybody is opportunistic on the other side. Yeah, you're being attacked, to you. and nobody will help. Yeah, you're right. It's, yep. it's...
1: Curse your son but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, so the next one on the list here is another really long game. And this could really apply to any long game where there's battles and armies and you're fighting against each other. But uh, for this one, we picked Rune Wars because it is a, what, five, six hour game? Yeah. And everybody has their own army. And everybody can make decisions as they go and who they're going to attack and what what they're going to go after. And inevitably, that decision is going to make someone very mad because you could easily have gone somewhere else. And this applies to a lot of different battle games, but the mechanics of this game in particular make it um, so that those decisions are very evident. Like, And it's also possible to just be like, oh, see, now you've made me mad, I'm just going to start attacking you a lot. Um and what happens with this game too is it's not just attacking other
1: people's forces but when you take their lands you pull out you, they lose all those resources to be able to build so it's completely possible that you could find yourself in a situation where you're playing hours of this game and not being able to do anything of significance because the few lands that you're holding on to no, doesn't have the resources you require and you're like why I have to sit here and you just burn. Yeah. For hours in this game, and there's so many cards that just flip situations where you take other people's troops or you do other things, it's just it's really
0: kind of nasty at certain points. yeah, the second time I played this, I was almost eliminated. Yeah, couple I'm bad sorry, was
3: <laughs>
0: A couple bad card draws and a couple bad situations, and I found myself with like two troops left in a corner. And my opponent actually backed off because he decided it was not in his best interest to move into that corner. Uh, but if he had, I would have just been out
3: of the game after. Three hours, I was really mad. So, this was one of these games I uh, I played it one time, and I was the new guy. And this was not a case of, well, he's a new guy. Let's go easy on him. Let's let him learn the game. It's such an in-depth, involved game. No one's going to give you that break. And you so can't. I just got obliterated. And yeah, it's like, argh. This is a game that's really
0: tough to be the new guy at the table. At yeah, like when we played, we all learned together. Uh, the second time we played, we brought one new player in, and it was tough. It took a while. Like, you almost had to have a practice round and then backtrack it and give them a couple of extra situations. Yeah. But there's so many. Like, you're drawing random cards. You can't like, oh, we'll give you another chance. Like, no, you made that decision. You got to go with it. And yeah. some of your actions are programmed, and it's just there's too much going on. Dude. It's not
3: a kind game.
0: No, and teaching games, it still takes six hours. You don't want a teaching game. You just <laughs> want to get into it. Yeah. Alright, so those are the six, uh, the first six in our top ten list. The next four are our Fab Four top picks for this top ten list. So we'll just go around, everybody tell us what your top pick is of the games that you feel make the most uh, angry people at the table. Yeah, well, so my Fab Four pick, it's not the worst game for this, right? It's
2: not the one that's the most brutal or terrible or the most likely to summon your dark spirits. But it is a game that has a wider market than most. And so I think it has summoned more dark spirits than anything else on the list. (laughs) And that is Munchkin. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, Munchkin, it really isn't that brutal. And I was thinking about Munchkin because I've always had really good experiences playing Munchkin. But then again, I almost always win Munchkin. So I'm not the person I need to be thinking thinking about I should think about the people I play with and I have never seen more conspiratorial glances just borderline threats of murder and like this total uh, total conviction that I am in fact a dark wizard bent on destroying them with my every single move Right, like you'll be offering help for a totally reasonable deal They're like no don't take it he's a demon he will turn this against you he just <laughs> Okay, um, but I mean, it makes sense, right? This is a game where you can do things like, oh, you're fighting a level 2 monster and a level 18 monster, and then I'm going to duplicate, or, you know, raise it to 28, then duplicate it, so you got two level 28 monsters in that room with you too, and if you lose, you're going to lose 8 levels. (laughs) (laughs) Have fun, like.
0: Yeah, that's the hard part about Munchkin, is about, I'd say 70% of the way through the game, Mm -hmm. it goes really bad. Yeah. So, and that's the fun of it. a lot of people have fun with that but if you have if you get hit particularly bad, usually if you run away too early with the lead mm-hmm. which don't do that never do that. If you get to level eight or nine in the first 20 minutes of this game they're just gonna hit you over and over and over again until you die. Um, but that's fun for the rest
3: of the table. So yeah just just <laughs> lay low lay low while everyone hits on the leader and then boom, jump. Sneak to the wind.
2: Well, if you don't spend too many cards to get ahead, though, what you do is you make that l- l- lunge ahead, then everyone has to expend all their resources trying to t- keep you down, while you just start gathering.
3: Yeah, right, and you're like, I'm just
2: gonna, all right, that's fine. Keep on, keep Wait. on
3: hitting me. That's fine. Wait, this just for some reason this has put me in mind of Machi Koro. Um, I'm gonna make a bonus pick here because I was getting so frustrated <laughs> last night. I had, a, I had a game engine where I was collecting money, and you guys kept hitting me, or I kept rolling the wrong things, and you guys kept rolling things that I kept losing money to you guys. But that was never got close enough. Like I didn't just choose to but attack still, you. Well, yeah, I know this is a game about <laughs> choice, but God, it's that feeling of. Arr! Good point. Well, I mean, it deserves a list if it got. And, uh, yeah, drill, yeah, yeah. You know? God, it's like three, four rounds. I just couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And it's that. Well, it was the same feeling of frustration you get from Munchkin when you're so close to winning and everyone stops you. You can't get that one last level. Just
2: uh,
0: yeah.
3: All right. Well, Drew, what is your Fab Four pick for this oh, list? Oh, it's
0: diplomacy.
3: It's diplomacy. A lot of people's number one list, and I I won't even play that again because it does it does bring up dark. Uh, demons of my soul to the surface um hate it because no one who plays that game is left with a soul at the end <laughs> it's really no, really it's true it's true you've you've made so many deals with the devil that there's nothing left um i, I am waiting i will play it again if somebody comes out with a dungeons and dragons diplomacy game so I can summon up uh, uh some jinn or demons or something and just send them at the other people and wipe them out um I will not play that again. <laughs> okay, fair enough.
0: I've not played it for that exact reason, so I'm gonna keep that on that and do not play <laughs> Okay.
1: Well, my kind of top destruction, soul breaking type of game has to be Werewolf. Now, the reason for this is because when you play Werewolf, it seems pretty simple. It's a party game. Everyone gets together. Everyone gets a roll card. It's pretty simple you know, there's not really much to it. You're going to pick somebody out to be killed. And you're like, all right, I can do this. And then once you get to the day phase where you have to pick somebody out, then the horror begins because all you really can do is randomly be pointing at people and go, we should kill Drew! And Drew's like, why would you do that? And you're like, Because he has a beard! He has a beard! Which is what I often do to Anthony in a game. I'm like, uh, that's as good of a rationale as any. And then you spend about five, ten minutes... Pointing at people to kill, which in any other context would be illegal, if not horrifying. In this one, it's still illegal and horrifying because your friends are like, I thought we were friends. Why are you picking me out to be killed? And now you're not only choosing to pick a person, but you're trying to convince other people to choose to pick that same person to kill them. And then they're telling you, other people, that you should be the person and you're just spending the entire time pointing fingers at people telling them that the other person should be killed and the anger and frustration and and just like you know 15 20 minutes of boredom that comes with trying to avoid getting killed and having to pick someone else
2: is just breaking in so many different ways (sighs) it's a game that turns everyone into a schoolyard bully right yes
3: yeah well most hidden mechanic uh, excuse me most hidden trader games have a little bit of that, that witch hunt fever. Sure. I've seen it in, in Battlestar Galactica, too. You just go after somebody you think is the the Cylon and yeah, it's not. Yeah, but this not. is the whole, whole game. It's all about that. It's
1: all about that, and it's just so tiring and depressing because when you get by the time you get to the end of the game, you've just like murdered half of the village, whether they were werewolves or not, and you're like... All right, there's two or three people left. I need to keep killing people and just like. Oh, <laughs> Sooner or <God." later. laughs> And it's a player elimination game, unlike Battlestar Galactica. So when someone loses, they now have to go away from the game and you continue to play. So it's like, not only am I ruining, I'm making you mad at me, but you can't play anymore either.
2: Wow. So I'm picking
1: the person, the friend, which I'm saying to you, I don't want you to play with me anymore. You need to leave.
3: So, it's the ultimate, like you said, school bully kind of game. Yeah, I can see why that's in the Fab Four shortlist. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, we honestly, any game that's on that uh, top hidden trader mechanic list probably could give it a run for its money because it's just, yeah, it just makes you mad sometimes. Resistance, Avalon. Yeah. um, Anytime you're like, why are you lying to me? Like, especially (laughs) if it's someone you know, like, like, for example, if I play one of these games with my wife, she would probably destroy me because she's got that poker face, but I'd be like, You're lying to me <laughs> you know. But this is player elimination. I and mean, That makes it that, worse, yeah. yeah, that's why at the top of the list. Yeah, which is why these other games fixed. Alright, so my top pick, and this is a game I actually quite enjoy, but both times I've played it, all three times I've played it, at least one person at the table was a little ragey at the end, for good reasons, and that's nothing personal. Um, to me this is one of the best Backstabbing games out there But that means someone's going to be pretty mad uh, The goal of the game Is to work your way up through the mafia To become the capo To get the most points To just to to run away and Basically manipulate and outthink The rest of the players So you have to make a lot of deals And you have to go back on a lot of deals And you have to Kind of move in on people's territory And I you have to kind of kill people it's it's it <laughs> has to be a
3: lot of bodies isn't there <laughs>
0: there are like four different ways to mess somebody up in this game and you're going to use all of them happily liberally because the game requires it if you want to succeed and the game is long it's two to three hours and it plays multiple people and someone's always kind of at the bottom rung of that if you're in the middle you're giving as good as you receive and it's fun but if you're the guy who can get you know ganged up on or if you miss a mechanic his first couple times playing God, people have gotten mad playing this game.
3: So, <laughs> so is it player elimination or not? Uh, in the game.
0: No, there's no elimination, okay. but if you fall far enough behind, it's hard to do much you in the second half of the yeah. game. So, I don't think we've played this in a long time. I've never
1: played it. it. has, It has the capacity to be a lot of fun, because if everyone's in on the joke, but everyone must absolutely positively be on the joke, because the game requires you to deal with other players and if you're not cool with the fact that you know you're going to negotiate with me and then 5 seconds later I'm like no nope, not coming through with my deal it's really easy to kind of get angry and this is a long game
0: yeah the so first time that happens in a game someone's like
1: what the heck? And it spirals very quickly. Yeah. Because well, yeah. now you did this to me, so I'm gonna do it to you at some point and then
3: yeah, and then just yeah.
0: And people start picking on each other and then of course they're not gonna win because they're just going back and forth.
3: Well the code revenge. You have to get revenge. Somebody yeah. hits you, you gotta hit them back. Exactly.
0: And it's, there's something to that too. It is part of the game, but at a certain point is it
3: worth it? Uh, yeah.
0: It's really tough. But this game is really good too. The components are extremely high quality, everything's cardboard. Um, like, thick, heavy cardboard. There's a ring you pass around, whoever the capo is. So, yeah. it's a lot of fun to play. It's just, yeah, you gotta have the right group, and you gotta, like, prep everybody. And you need, like, a PSA. Like, play a movie <laughs> oh. before you start. You know how people have to sign waivers to go on the really tough roller coasters? And make sure they don't have a heart condition? You know, sign a waiver to make sure people aren't going to like freak out <laughs> playing this game. Like, yeah. all right, you may be messed with, stabbed in the back, and/or all of your money stolen. Please sign here that you're not going to flip the table. <laughs>
3: <laughs> did we take lifeboat off this list? We did because it was clearly too dangerous to talk about. God no. Yes. It's that we can't even utter it and play. Comp- it's the game anymore. that shall not be named. <laughs> Does anybody ever play that game anymore? It's like, like, I've never played it. They bring it up, and no, I'm not playing that game. God, I think that is like a Ouija board I would never sit down to a Ouija board and summon demons And I would never play Lifeboat (laughs) It's a dishonorable mention Yeah,
2: Uh, Other ones in that rank would be things like Monopoly And other games that are just too easy to hit here Monopoly has destroyed marriages Not just (laughs) friendships Families have been sundered Why
3: wouldn't you trade me Pennsylvania Avenue? I needed that to complete my set
0: all right, so that is our top ten list of games that will summon the darkest, deepest, meanest part of your soul and ruin friendships uh, in honor of Ouija the movie. Right. <laughs> Board Gamers and Amis do not endorse any of these games or the
1: destruction of your family and friends' relationships. These games are dangerous and should be only played with a trained professional like one of the Board Gamers and Amis podcasts.
3: So be careful out there. Oh, yes. And playing Monopoly does summon demons, so you really want to... Uh, <laughs> they're just capitalistic <laughs> demons. Yeah, so. yeah. It's a very different kind of demon, but it's much more destructive in the long term. Yes. <laughs> all right. So that's everything for our top ten list this week. Next up, we have the final round with Drew. Final round is all about Thanksgiving. I know it's a little early, but next week we're going to be doing a special about Black Friday. So we want to jump ahead uh, about Thanksgiving. This, uh, this feature, this particular final round, is not just about games. But about anything that we are thankful for, that we have in the gaming community, the gaming world, gaming life, whatever. I have in front of me this little thing called a four-player game timer. With, with games that get heavier and heavier and AP that gets greater and greater. I love the concept of a timer. And uh, these people at Pyramid created a way to time everyone's actions in a four-player game to cut down on AP. I want to try and try it out in our games and maybe bring it to other game tables. God, this would make games so much more fun and speed them up. So I'm thankful that somebody invented that.
0: That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm going to take the cheesy way out and say that I'm thankful for the people we play with. Um, oh. But I mean, it's, it's true, though, too. Like, when I moved to New York, I didn't know anybody here. I've been here for a few years and didn't really have a whole lot of friends because it's hard to make friends in New York. Everybody who has an interest is, like, hardcore in their interests that's like a new yorker thing i don't know like if you do something here do it do it all the way um and so it wasn't until i found myriad and the crew here that i kind of found that community for myself so it's been nice it's given me something to do but also people to spend time with and so that's what i'm thankful for
2: well, you kind of took mine. I was going to say I'm thankful for you guys. Aww, because it's the easiest way
3: out. But right? <laughs> <laughs> well, now you have to explain exactly what qualities about us make you thankful.
2: Well, it's it's nice to have a group of <laughs> a group of good friends who I can play games with, but not just play games with, right? I mean, we hang out, we have fun, we talk about life, right? We we are actually friends, not just gaming cohorts, right? It's not just We meet once a week and play a game and then don't talk about anything but games and leave, right? Having a group of friends with whom I can play games, that means a lot to me.
3: Yeah,
2: I think
1: for me there's so much to be thankful for, and especially around this industry, the publishers, designers, um, the fellow podcasters, um, but especially you, the listeners. It's an outstanding and it's a blessing that you would take the time to listen to this podcast And I know speaking for everyone here, each and every one of us do appreciate greatly the opportunity to spend this time with you on a hobby that we love so greatly and the opportunity to expand this hobby to such a large and variety of different people in a positive social function that uh, it brings people closer. It kind of expands ideas and imaginations And it offers opportunities to have conversations about things that you never thought was possible. So thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for promoting not just our podcast, but the industry to so many different people to bring such joy and family, not just to people you're related to, but everybody who sits down at the table with us.
3: Definitely. And thank you guys for making me look like a fool for thanking a game timer. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sticking by it. Um, We know how you really feel, Drew. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're thankful for this Thanksgiving. Uh, That's our final round. All right. So that's everything for this week's episode. Once again, please make sure to connect with us on
0: Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at BGA Podcast. And hey, while you're online, why don't you hop over to iTunes and give us five stars? It'd be awesome. Get us out there to more people and just show us what you really feel. Show what you're thankful for in the, in the podcast. Um, and of course, BoardGamersAndHonest.com, BoardGameGeek. You can find us there. And check out Chris's podcast, Kicking the Habit, on Wednesday. And don't forget to try to summon us through your wiki boards. Yeah, exactly. We're literally available everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, that's everything for this week. This is Anthony. This is Chris. This is Daniel.
1: This is Drew. And until next time, we'll save you a seat at the table with the giant red target there. Because honestly, we're playing a game together. And I think you should be the one that's eliminated. What do you think, Anthony? He's you know that listener that was listening. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, gotta come yeah, in. he's
0: yeah, like yeah, two yeah. levels ahead, two more cards that he could win, I think it's kind of take him down. I, I mean
1: they're always winning, and they're clearly winning in this game. I'm voting for them.